Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. This episode and all episodes sponsored by Jewel Financial, J-O-U-L-E. Visit us on the web. Learn more about our wealth development program. Also, check us out on all the social DIY Money podcasts. Check out what's going on. Some great content also on DIYMoney.org. Daniel, I know we usually do a banter, and I know this is going to be a few weeks before this comes up. But I also know that we have listeners on the great island and great state of Hawaii. And if you are in or around that area that was destroyed in Maui in the Lahaina region, our thoughts and prayers go out to you. And if there's anything we can do, please do let us know. If you are a small business, if you are somebody that's you know lost a, something, a home or a residence or business on front. I mean, whatever. I know we have listeners there. I can see you on the demographics and let us know how we can help promote your business, you know, bring you on, whatever it might be. That is absolutely devastating what's happening there. And I was just there. I I literally, my father lives in Lahaina. Uh, He doesn't yet know if his house is uh, been destroyed. That village, he lives in a place called Kahoma village. It's a housing. He's a teacher there. So it's teacher housing. And almost all of those homes were destroyed. He did see drone footage that looks like there's a strip of houses that made it, which is weird. I saw it, mm-hmm. and it looks like uh, one of that might be one of theirs. So it's fascinating. But he's holed up at a municipal airport right now, and wow. um, so we wish him and all the folks out there. Um, hopefully, they're safe and so forth. But anyways, it, probably by the time this airs, it'll be in the cleanup phase for mm-hmm. sure. Anyways, that's kind of depressing. Let's move on to a lighter note. What's going on in your world? Before we before we hit a question about insurance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't have anything to uh, to bounce off of that. So That's it. Yeah. Well, let's uh, where on. do you where do you segue from that? I don't know. We go into really talking about Not not insurance. in the mood to be like all oh, chipper now. Chipper. All right. Well, let's go into our question then. From uh, Well, let me let me say this. The question queue, it's good. I mean, we're getting a consistent flow of questions. We really appreciate that. I also know we have a lot of new listeners. So shout out to Bree Cox, who's handling all of our social and, and marketing and so forth. She and her team are doing a great job. And so I've seen these numbers uptick. If you are a new listener, these audio questions come from listeners they send us an audio file, usually through their phone. So they click on that voice memo. If you have an iPhone, you can record your question, try to keep it a minute or less, and then you can email it to podcast at DIYmoney.org. That's podcast at DIYmoney.org. Females out there, we're a little dry with the female questions, so send those in. That's right! We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure! Too far. And then, as well, you know the DIY Money Juniors are always bumped to the top. If you have a young, inquiring mind in your household that wants to get a $25 Amazon gift card and has a good question, please do send those to us. We've got a question from Ivan today. Ivan, what do you got? DIY! Hey, DIY Money. This is Ivan from Tennessee. And my question is about whole life insurance. 
So I recently bought a policy of whole life insurance recommended to me by my fiduciary. And I am not 100% sure if I made the right choice. I do see that some benefit from it, but I'm not fully bought in, but I already decided to do it. So if there's any advice or any more research you think I should do, uh, I would really appreciate it. Thank you. So the ta- the class that I teach at the University of Kentucky is intrinsic value. We manage part of the funds of the endowment. It's an amazing class. We talk stocks. We talk investments. We follow the markets and economy. But in one of the last classes, I come in and I give them my top 10 rules for starting out in personal finance. All these kids that I have the honor of teaching are going to go on and get great jobs. Most of them have a secure job already lined up. I mean, these are the best and the brightest at UK. And one of my numbers in there is avoid whole life insurance. I don't even say the the normal term, which is buy term and invest the rest. That's what you'll hear people say often. I think that's what Dave Ramsey says. Uh, I don't even say that to them. I just say avoid whole life. Now, I'm not going to just be one of those guys who says that and doesn't leave you with any meat on that explanation, Ivan, I'm going to share with you exactly why I say that. Do you have an order of meat for us to pick up for Alice? No. I also want to preface that 20 years ago, I sold whole life insurance. I had my life and health insurance license, and I sold it, and it was very lucrative to me. I would sell a policy, variable universal or universal life or whole life, and boy, that was nice getting that fat commission check. And then I started actually running the numbers in a spreadsheet, not illustrations that our firm would run, but actual spreadsheet analysis of looking at the difference between investing in a policy such as that as opposed to buying term life insurance, the cheapest insurance out there that, yes, does expire, so therefore when it's gone, it's gone. That's what the insurance agent will tell you. But what about the difference in the cost of the term versus the whole or variable or universal life policy? What about that that difference in price? What if I took that amount and put it in an investment account? Oh, but Quint, you won't get the tax advantages. You won't be able to withdraw that tax-free, to which I would reply, well, then I'll use a Roth IRA. And to which they would reply, yeah, but when you start making enough money, you won't be able to do that. Well, then what if I just bought like Berkshire Hathaway that doesn't pay any dividends? It's well diversified. Yeah, but when you go to sell it, you'll sell it and then you'll pay taxes. Yeah, but I'll pay long-term capital gains tax. And if I wait till retirement and my income bracket is almost zero, then I pay basically nothing. I could never get my mind around the advantage of buying a whole life or universal policy. Now, the one caveat, we might have some unique people out there, is if it's used for estate planning purposes. Estate planning purposes. I'm going to leave that right there. But that, what that in summary means is you have so much money, you're worried about losing money to estate taxes, and you might tuck a policy like this into some sort of insurance trust. I'm going to just leave that one right there. We are well-versed in that. We're not attorneys. We don't sell insurance, but we're well-versed in the strategy. So that is the one caveat. But for most of the people, 
especially younger people, we do not advise for this type of insurance. We advise to buy term and invest the rest. And Ivan, what I would ask you to do is simply run it on a spreadsheet. Take those numbers that you're paying into the whole life and the illustration that you got from more than likely your friend, no disrespect to them, but I'm, I'm sure that's the case, and look at it in comparison to buying a term policy, which you can get a quote on. Just go on to selectquote.com. Not affiliated at all, not a sponsor, but you can get it. You can just go on to selectquote.com and type in a 20- or 30-year term policy for an amount. Put that amount in. You'll get it, uh, what the premium could be. And then kind of take the difference in those payments and run that out at an 8% rate of return in a Roth IRA for the rest of your life. And just look at the difference. and see, You make a decision yourself. The only other thing I want to comment on, because I, I, I take great pride in the term fiduciary. We are a fiduciary. We do not sell a commissionable product. We provide a service, and we are never incentivized to pick one company over the other. Now, someone can say that they don't have an incentive. They're going to go out and find the best company for you. But the reality is they're commissioned to, they're paid to sell that product. That is the exact opposite definition of a fiduciary. Now, I'm, I know it's a nuance. You mentioned it. I want to mention it myself because I protect that word that has been sort of drawn, you know, rung through the ringer and, and in my opinion, sort of um, diluted considerably. But I'm going to continue to protect it because we are fiduciaries, and I don't like when it's used in a, in a form um, when someone's selling a commission. What say you, Daniel? What is the commission like on <laughs> a lot. sort of a whole life insurance policy I mean, versus term and stuff like that? Like, well, term, there's very little to know. I mean, if you find somebody selling a term policy and you're getting it from them— you can, you know, it's probably peanuts. I mean, literally, like probably less than 1% or something like that. Uh, those policies could be upwards if it's like a large universal life mm -hmm. or variable, like where somebody starts with a 20-some thousand, 20. It's sometimes 90% of the initial premium. So if somebody like says like 20. First month, first year. Yeah, so on a bigger policy. Sure. On a, on a standard like whole life or something like that, it could be 7, 8, 9% every time an amount goes in. It can be mm. very, very lucrative. And the objective is, and again, listen, I have no issue if that's what you, if you're out there listening to this and you're getting pissed off because you sell and you believe in it, I've had a lot of people that I've dialogued with, and you know what they ultimately come back and say, and I do respect this, they say, okay, Quinn, I understand your illustration, but Ivan, let's just call it, you know, because he asked the question, Ivan's not going to buy the term and invest the rest. Like, he's not going to be disciplined enough mm -hmm. to do that. But this bill that comes in or this deduction that comes in every month or quarter, he will be forced to do this. And therefore, he is forced to save and invest. That is sometimes the argument. And you know what? <laughs> There's times that I go, you're right. Like, if that's what's going to make them save, like, if you know them well enough to know that they're not going to do this in another bucket, it's hard to argue with that. I guess maybe if you didn't have a 401k or something set up at your work. Because I think you could, if you need forced investment, typically you can utilize a 401k, set the amount in your paycheck. Usually there's friction and hurdles to going and adjusting that. 
or as much frictions and hurdles as it would be to cancel your whole life policy. So the harder I've seen arguments, and you know, I mean, I, I, I've been in these discussions, these sometimes fascinating. I'm happy to have discussions with anybody, but I'm not going to have an argument. I'm not going to fight with anybody. But a lot of times, they those ardent insurance and agents mm-hmm. will argue that this type of policy is better than a 401k outside of the match. They can't they sure. can't argue against the match. But if the match is three percent and somebody's putting in five, they would argue that that additional two that's not getting the match because it's ultimately taxable mm-hmm. could better be invested in it in a whole life policy. To which I would say, well, then they should be using the Roth. 401k you know yeah. on the, i mean it's a lot of it's a lot of uh nuances yeah. the, the great thing is that you could engage a certified financial planning professional who could run independent illustrations of that and show you the math and how it works out because some of the downside with any type of insurance policy is we don't know when you're going to die uh, so we don't know how much premiums you're going to pay in and things like that. But through utilizing a financial plan and the software, we could create one plan that has, hey, you buy whole life policy, you pay this much up, you die at 55 or 90 or something like that, and then run one the other way, uh, either investing in a 401k or in a taxable account or something like that. And then you could see just numerically the difference. That's what I would do. Though most financial plans we run into do not end up recommending any type of whole life or anything like that. Instead, we would do a term policy to ensure just the time period that needs to be insured for the plan. So that's uh, things like when you have kids. Usually that's the primary reason that we're using insurance is is when kids are still in the house and you need to fund sort of that second income stream pre-retirement. Once we get into retirement, there's usually, because assets are saved up and things like that, there's usually not a high need for a lot of plans to have ongoing insurance costs uh, in retirement. That's not exclusive. That doesn't mean nobody would, but a lot of times we don't see that. Very briefly, too, Ivan, because I'm assuming you're younger. I could be wrong. Insurance in our world is typically used for three purposes. One, if something happens to you to pay outstanding debts, assuming you have a family, to pay outstanding debts. Number two, provide for the future possible education expenses or care for children or maintenance of children if you were to predecease uh, and they're minors or maybe not through college yet finally number three is a gap for the grieving and transition process of leaving a spouse or someone who's going to be caring for the responsibilities that you've left behind so what i always say is you add up your mortgage and your outstanding debts you slap $100,000 per kid and an additional 100000 for grieving, and that's the amount of term amount of insurance that you should have. And then do the math. If the kids are newborn, one or two years old, hopefully you've saved, paid down debt, and made them you helped them to become responsible adults by the time they're 18. So when my kids were born and we had a mortgage and I had the, the responsibility of, of kind of providing and making sure I was secure for the future... I got a $500,000 20-year term policy. It took care of the mortgage, 100,000 for each kid and 100,000 for my wife, you know, to grieve. She you know, probably needed 20,000, but whatever. You get my gist. Uh, later on in life, we had some additional resources. We had some additional kind of things that maybe needed to take care of. Thankfully, very little no debt, but I added in another 500,000. When those policies mature, I'll be done. 
Like, then they're not that far off. I have a 16 year old. So one of them's probably done in the next three or four years. Now, the insurance company will naturally try to re up me and they will increase based on my age, based on my life expectancy, my health, whatever. They'll say my, my $400 a year policy, uh, which w- was super cheap, will jump to 2000 and I won't pay it. I will let that policy go and it'll be done. So evaluate insurance needs from there. And then you're listening to the podcast already. So you're a DIYer. Like adapt the lifestyle of a DIY money. Start saving. Do it in a responsible manner. Use a tax-free account if you can. That's my two cents on it. Sounds good. Great question, Ivan. We'll send you a $25 Amazon gift card. All he did was send us a question to podcast at DIYmoney.org, DIYmoney.org, and we will send him now that $25 Amazon gift card. So get those questions in. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest wisely, wisely, and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.